We are in our second week of the series on the Sermon of the Mount, so we're going to open back to Matthew chapter 5, where we left off last week. And the challenge for us in this series that uh, Kevin and I would like to put in front of everyone here at Third, both in the auditorium and sanctuary, is to, over the next 10, 12 weeks, memorize the Beatitudes. So if you don't, haven't gotten one of these, they're out on the information table. Oh, Wendy's got a whole bunch of them right there. So if you need one, they're right there in the back, right next to the, uh, the sound booth there on the Bible cart. So we're going to endeavor to go through and say the Beatitudes together every week as a process of trying to make it a part of our lives and commit it to memory and commit it to our souls. So let's uh, begin by reading the Beatitudes together. Here we go. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. People of God, this is the word of God. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So keep working on that. What we talked about last week is that those verses... The Beatitudes are the preamble to the entire Sermon on the Mount. And everything else that we're going to read and study in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, connect back to the Beatitudes. In other words, Jesus started to say, this is my way. <laughs> this is the way of Jesus, to live in trust and lament, and compassion, and humility, and justice, and pure motive, and surrender, and radical love. And then the, the rest of the sermon kind of goes back and says, this is what this means to live the way I tell you. So now we get to right after the Beatitudes, the verses that we're going to look at today in verses uh, 13 through 16. Here we go. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light, people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Salt and light. So if the Beatitudes were the preamble, salt and light 
are the purpose statement. The purpose statement. Why do we live the way of Jesus? That we might be salt and light in this, excuse me, in this world. All right, purpose. This is why Jesus called us to be his disciples and to live the way he commanded us to live. Salt and light purpose statement are about our place and our purpose in this world. Now I wanna refer back to the four levels. So if you're fairly new with this and you haven't heard me talk about this, um, think about life on four levels. Level one is me, me and God. Where, how and where I relate to God. It's my, my real self in my heart, my mind, and my soul in relationship with God. Level two are my circles of influence. The people who surround me, the, the people whose lives I touch, my family, my friends, my community, my coworkers, my teammates, whatever it is, that's my, that's my level two community. Level three are the kingdoms of this world the kingdoms of politics and commerce and religion, the kingdoms that hold sway in this world that right now is the dominion of the prince of this world. And then level four is the kingdom of heaven. So when Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus is saying he is calling us to be in the world, but not of the world. The world, the kingdoms of this world, again, are the dominion of the prince of this world. Has anybody noticed that this world is kind of rotten? And it seems to be getting more so by the day. I mean, I, there, Wendy and I usually start every morning looking at the, the news on our iPads as we have a cup of coffee. And it's literally, there are mornings that I'm just looking, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't read. It's just, this is a rotten place. Not that everything is rotten, but, but yeah, this is the kingdom of the world. Jesus came to show us a different way. And the reason that he came was so that he could come into our level one lives and transform us that we can then transform our relationships and the people that we live with and do community with and that we can be light and salt in the kingdoms of this world. It's a different way of living. So yes, Live the way of Jesus so that on levels one, two, and three, you are literally the kingdom of heaven incarnate. You are living out the way of Jesus. That makes you salt and light. In 1 Peter, Peter writes, but you are a chosen people. This is chapter two, verse nine, by the way. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. So what? So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness. We live in a dark world and into the light. So as we come out of the darkness and the light shines in our hearts and lives, 
we then reflect that light outward. Before Jesus died, the night before he died, Jesus prayed to the Father and he said this, my prayer is not that you take my disciples out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. In other words, when Jesus is going to leave, he's leaving us as his light. The light of the world who is Jesus, because he said that, John chapter eight, I am the light of the world. <laughs> but now the light of the world is going to ascend into heaven. So where is the light going to be? The light is going to be in you and the light is going to be in me. We are the light in the darkness. That's the way that Jesus planned it. We're a royal priesthood, so let me just remind you. We've talked about this before, but I'll remind you what a priest is. A priest is, is a representative of God. So in, in Old Testament, you as a commoner would come to the priest, bring your offering. I as the priest would be your representative before God to present that offering, and only the priest could do that. When Jesus came, he said, yeah, now there's no longer this we, they priesthood. Everyone who follows me, every one of my disciples is a priest. There is now no intercensor between God and man except for Jesus. But what the institutional church did, which is fascinating, for years and years and years, the institutional church went back to the old paradigm. There's a priest, and only the priest can absolve your sins, and only the priest can hear your compression, and only the priest can pray for your soul, and only the priest can give you last rites. But that is exactly the opposite of what Jesus came to do. And so even in Protestant churches, we make our pastors and, and our church staff into our priests. Oh, so that's what's for the, for the pastors to do. I just come on Sunday and I just toss a little money in the plate. I'm a member of the church. But the, but the ministry, no, that belongs to the professionals. That was never the paradigm. Never. The paradigm was you, disciple of Christ, you follow me. You live out being the way of trust in the way of lament, in the way of hum humility, in the way of justice, in the way of compassion. You are the priest. And as you go out into a polluted, rotten world, you are bringing with you my light and my life. It makes you salt and light. In Revelation 5, 9, he goes on. In fact, we just read what we just sang. The Holy, Holy, Holy comes right out of Revelation chapter 5. It's the great throne room of heaven. And the, and the choir of heaven sings to the Lamb and says, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and by your blood you purchased for God persons of every tribe and language and people and nations. You have made them to be a kingdom we're a kingdom. We're God's kingdom. And priests, we are God's priests if we're a disciple of Christ. To serve our God and they will reign on the 
earth. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. For theirs. So, we are the salt and light as we follow the way of Jesus. And the kingdoms of this world, here's the way they operate. On level three, it is power domination down. The government tells us to pay our taxes or they'll come and do an audit and arrest us. The government tells us the laws that we can and can't do and enforce it. The, the media, our bosses, corporate America, churches, they kind of, they have this dominion and this top-down authority to tell us what to do. But God said through the prophet Isaiah, my ways are not your ways. So God is a bottom-up paradigm. Whereas the world, as the world goes out and, and tries to, to reign by dominion, the kingdom of God is to reign through humility and surrender. So let's talk a little bit about salt. Did you know that for most of human civilization, salt has been one of the most precious commodities in the world? Throughout human civilization, back in the ancient times, salt um, was even traded an ounce for ounce with gold. The Roman soldiers that around Jesus the whole time, part of their salary was paid in salt because it was so precious as both a season but also as a preservative. Salt helps preserve meat. So when Jesus says that you are the salt of the earth, he's saying you are, you are this rotten world, you're the preservative. You are gonna preserve God's goodness, God's love, and God's way amidst a rotten world. But what if that salt loses its saltiness? It's kind of interesting because as I read a little bit about the history of salt, which is fascinating, by the way, also, usually if you bought a slave in ancient times, you paid for the slave in salt. And so if the slave didn't measure up to what the owner thought that they would be, they weren't worth their salt. That's where that comes from. Person is not worth their salt. So salt then is, is part of the way that, that God is going to allow us to season, to be God's kingdom sprinkled just like salt in this rotten world. Hmm. Well, how am I salt? Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed. That's how you're salt. We're sprinkling in the way of Jesus and we become salt. All right. Leviticus 2.13, by the way, shares that all grain offerings in the Old Testament were to be seasoned with salt. Isn't interesting? If you brought a grain offering before God, it had to be sprinkled with salt, which was a really precious commodity. So God wanted them to bring the best. In, uh, in, still in Roman Catholic baptism ceremonies, they sprinkle salt on the tongue of the baby 
Why? Because it's a metaphor that's been used for, for centuries of being, what, seasoning and life and purity, that preservative. Preserve this child is kind of the, the metaphor that they have. So in a world of fear and anxiety, we show the way of trust. In a world of pain and loneliness, we lament with others. We empathize. In a world of injustice, we are to stand up and act justly. By the way, time out. Can I confess to you? We're supposed to confess our sins to one another, so here we go. I tend to have a heavy foot sometimes. So in July, Wendy and I were on our way to Des Moines, and a couple weeks later, I got a letter from the city of Prairie City. <laughs> Picture of my, our car, the back of our car, our license plate, and $100 fine. It's not right. Not right. You know what? There's no picture of who's driving that car. <laughs> I am innocent until I am proven guilty. You have no proof. Could have been anyone driving that car. Could have been someone else. So if somebody steals my baseball bat and beats up their neighbor, am I guilty because they used my bat? No, that's not justice. So I appealed. You have no proof that this was me. My appeal was denied. <laughs> and the next step, of course, was to go to small claims court. And Wendy will tell you that I'm usually a pretty easygoing person, but every once in a while, something just, a bird gets in my side, and I am willing to do just about anything to make this right. And so I, it sat there on my desk for like a couple of weeks as I'm stewing and my pain, I'm gonna take this thing to court and I am gonna argue my case because I've got a good case. This is not American justice. And one morning as I'm sitting there in my quiet time and I saw that ticket on the desk and all of a sudden inside it goes, yeah, I gotta do this thing. And then in the quiet, the still small voice whispered, were you speeding? Well, that's what the Fifth Amendment is for. I don't have to incriminate myself. Tom, were you speeding? Yes! <laughs> Pay the ticket. Okay. Sometimes, see, that's what happens. When you have God's word and it's in here, because I literally, in that still small voice, I am thinking about what is it to live the way of, of Jesus? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because this is the way of justice. Was I guilty? Yes. Do I owe the fine? Yes. That is the way of justice. All right? So yes, in a world of injustice, we stand and act. In a world that rages against enemies, we act with grace and mercy. 
in a world that celebrates depravity. Anybody notice depravity lately? We live purely. In a world of conflict and mean tweets, we live out the way of peace. In a world of top-down power and domination, we live lives of surrender. In a world of hatred, we live lives of radical love. We are the opposite of the kingdoms of this world. That's what we're called to do. And Jesus said, you're also the light of the world, which is also kind of interesting because Jesus is the light of the world. We just mentioned it. Yeah, he's the light of the world. He came, John 1 says, he came and he shined, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has never understood it. That's the key. The darkness doesn't understand the light, which is why we are supposed to be light of the world. Because we live in a dark world, we bring the light to the darkness by the way we live out the way of Jesus. Interesting, I've been, uh, last spring, I uh, read this book in pre uh, preparation for my a sermon on Holy Saturday, and it's all about people who have died and had after near-death experiences, then came back into their bodies. Amazing book. Listen to, um, there's a very common thing of people who have these near-death experiences, that they experience light in a way they've never experienced it before. Listen to this testimony. Jesus is more beautiful, wonderful, and glorious than I can explain to you. How do I tell you what his face looks like? His face, it was, it was if it was liquid crystal, glass made up of pure love, light, and life. His face had the colors of the rainbow, along with colors I can't even describe inside of it. All these colors appeared at the same time in his face. They came out of him and off him as the waves of the ocean coming onto the shore. I was seeing the colors and I was part of the colors. <laughs> I was in the colors and the colors were coming out of me. I was seeing Jesus and I was a part of Jesus and Jesus was shining out of me. All of it was life. I just wanted to praise him forever. Isn't that awesome? Listen to this, this person describing Jesus' eyes. When I looked into his eyes, his eyes were like flames of fire with changing colors of red and orange and blue and green and yellow and many other colors. I experienced in his eyes that they are deep and full of life. I could get lost in his eyes and never want to come out. In his eyes, I saw the love for every human and creation. God, at first, it seems as if his eyes had love for only me. But when I thought about someone else, I saw his love for that person. It was like he loved only that person. I thought about someone else, and the same thing happened. I saw only his love for that person. You guys, this is describing. This is kingdom stuff. This is level four love and light. In fact, I read some of the testimonies would talk about that, that in heaven, the light is unbelievable. And light shines out of everyone and everything in heaven. 
But the source of that light is Jesus. And people say, hey, there's these, these, these people that met me in heaven and it was just, they were bright, light. Everything was light. And then, then came this light that was unlike any other light. It was exponentially brighter and more powerful than any of the light that was in anybody else. And that was Jesus. I am the light of the world. So we, as that light shines in our hearts, take that light. We are to, just like it's described, the light comes out of me. Wherever I go, whatever I do, with whoever I'm with, they can see there's something about you. I don't know what it is, but I want it. That's what we're supposed to be. That's being a royal priesthood. That's being an intermediary. That is being a missionary. Go into the, uh, the whole world. Well, the world isn't just all the other nations. The world is right outside your door. I love it when Bilbo Baggins tells Frodo, it's a dangerous business, Frodo, stepping outside your door. <laughs> because you're going to get swept up, and who knows where you're going to end up. That's the gospel. We step out of our door, and now we are light, and we are salt in this world. All right. One more story with this I close. One man, uh, and I, I think I shared this story in the sanctuary earlier this year, so if I have, you've heard it before, uh, just beg your forgiveness. Guy by the name of Howard Storm died, went to hell. Long story short, Jesus came to him in hell and, and basically took him to heaven, changed his life, gave him, he shined, gave him the review of his life, he realized what an idiot he'd been his whole life, and then Jesus said, Howard, you have to go back. He said, no, I don't wanna go back. He said, Howard, you have to go back because you have to make things right with the people that you wrong. And okay, all right, and he goes, and Jesus said, besides, I need you to change the world. <laughs> to which, Howard's like going, I have to change the world? And he said, yes. He said, all right, you know what, Jesus, I'm an artist. I'm the director of an art department at a university, and what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna make this shrine to you. And it's gonna be so funky, and it's gonna be so weird, it's gonna be so massive and amazing that people are just gonna, they're gonna be intrigued by it and curious, and the people from all over the world are going to come to Kentucky to see this shrine that I made, and then I can tell them about you. And Jesus looked at him and said, yeah, I don't want you to do that. Well, how am I supposed to change the world? And Jesus said to him, here's the way it works. Love whoever you're with. He said, what? Whoever you're with in the moment, love them. That's the plan. That's the plan? And that's gonna change the world? And Jesus said to him, Howard, there is no other plan. Whoever you are with, be light, be salt. Show them the way of trust. Show them the way of mercy. Show them the way of surrender. Show them the way of lament. Love them well. So that's our charge. And in the coming weeks, as we walk through the Sermon on the Mount, 
we're going to be learning what the way of Jesus looks like in practical terms and what we are expected to do as salt and light. Let's pray. God, help us to be your agents of change. Help us as we try to walk in your way. Transform us, transform our minds, transform our hearts, transform our relationships, transform our words and our choices and our motivations, our actions. Lord, as we go about our week this week, as we step outside our door, remind us when we're getting speeding tickets that we think aren't fair and when we are talking to people that we don't like, when we are working with colleagues, remind us, Holy Spirit, that we are to be salt and light. We are to live your way with everyone. And whoever we are with this week, help us to love them well. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Good morning. If you would have a seat for just a minute. My name is Steve Trelau, and it is a pleasure, it really is, to serve you in this church uh, as a member of the executive board. And for 12 months, we have been sending someone from the executive board up to just give a short update. And what we were trying to accomplish were a couple of things. One, we wanted a way to share with you some information that you, you should know and may not be privy to or have heard yet. Um, and another thing we wanted to do was to give you a face and a name with the members on your executive board so that if you have questions or want to talk to one of us, you will become familiar with who we are and, and be able to do that. So what I wanted to share with you this morning is um, earlier this year, if you've been going to church, you have lived through our transition from the RCA to the Sending Network. And I wanted to give you a little update on what's going on with that. You may recall that when we started, there were five churches that became founding members. The four churches besides ourselves was Central Reformed, or Central Life in Oskaloosa, the Way in Newton, uh, celebrate in Knoxville, First Reformed in Pella, were the others who joined us. And as of October 13, um, next month, we will have four more joining. Um, so it will be Adventure Life in Altoona, Crossroads Church in Norwalk, Ebenezer Reformed in Leighton, and the Otley Reformed Church in Otley. So it's exciting to see that happening. Uh, we're growing. And we know of a few more in uh, next year who will want to join as well, but they're not far enough down the process to make any announcements. So it's exciting. We're growing. We're at nine now. Um, and also wanted you to know, because we've had a lot of questions about, you know, the training and teaching staff that we have. And, and the leadership of the Sending Network is very focused on coming up with a credentialing and training program for those pursuing the pastoral path. So that's exciting as well. Um, so, yeah, the other, only other thing I wanted to share is that last week at the 8 o'clock service, we installed the new consistory members that you as members of this congregation voted for. And we've asked everyone to wear a name tag, whether you're on the consistory 
or whether you're on the executive board, we want you to be able to find people if you have a question or want to discuss. So please keep that in mind and do that if, if you have questions. So, Tom, that's it. Appreciate that. Last announcement here. If you are not a part uh, of our auditorium family but would like to be, um, we've got a sheet in the back on the coffee table right next to the coffee pot and some signs up. Well, it's not a big deal. We just keep track uh, of everybody on the list. And if there are announcements that need to be made or like last week with the gathering, uh, we will email. I try and email about once a month just kind of what's going on and, and let everybody know what's happening here. So if you would like to be part of that and on the list, please fill one of these out. Go ahead and just leave it on the table and we'll pick it up afterwards. Sound good? All right. Let's stand for a blessing. God, uh, bless us, we pray. Father, embrace us with your love. Jesus, pour over us with your grace and mercy. And Holy Spirit, guard our minds and our hearts in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful week.